0: And before we get into this week's interview, I just want to let you know about our three sponsors, MailChimp, Hover, and Creative Market. MailChimp is the premier email service provider choice for entrepreneurs and small businesses. Join more than 7 million people who use MailChimp to design and send 500 million emails every single day. MailChimp just rolled out some updated features, including version 3.0 of their API, which handles more than 80 million requests a day. Sign up for a free MailChimp account at MailChimp.com you need a new domain for your next project, check out Hover. Each domain comes with free private domain registration, unlimited domain forwarding, and world-class customer support. Grab yourself a domain today and use the promo code GRADUATION and save 10% off your purchase. Creative Market sells graphics, fonts, themes, photos, and a whole lot more starting at only $2. They give away a new selection of free goods every Monday. Of course, today is Monday. And they've got great bundle promotions every month. Head on over to creativemarket.com and check them out. Now, every week I mention at the end of the show that Revision Path is a 318 media project. and I give you a few ways that you can help support the show. Well, now, more than ever, Revision Path needs your support. So if you like the show and you're learning from the interviews that we're providing, I know I get great feedback from you all. Please consider donating to help keep the show going. You can sign up at the $5 fist bump level, that's a $5 a month fee right there, and that gets you access to the Fist Bump Bulletin, which is our special weekly newsletter that has a personal letter from me. You have a chance to listen to next week's interview early, and you get behind the scenes information about Revision Path. Um, if $5 a month is too much, we've got our tip jar. Tip jar is only a dollar. Of course, you can give any amount in the tip jar, uh, but at the least you can give is a dollar. So show some support for Revision Path so we can keep providing these quality interviews for you and do our part to showcase these amazing designers and developers around the world. All right, that's my pledge for now. So, on this week's interview, I talk with Dave McClinton, an artist and graphic designer in Austin, Texas. Let's start the show. All right, so tell us who you are and what you do. My name is Dave
1: McClinton, and I am a graphic designer and artist. I need to start remembering to tag that. Graphic designer and artist.
0: Graphic designer and artist. So, you're doing sort of art that's separate from your graphic design yeah, work? Yeah. I've, I've
1: been a, yeah, exactly. I've been a designer for 20-plus years, and I guess technically I've also been an artist, but I've never really put that stuff out there. I mean, you know what it's like. You get up and you do design work, and next thing you know, you're going to sleep and getting up doing it again, and there's just momentum. And I've always wanted to sort of circle back to art, and I finally started doing that a few years ago. And it's just one of those things that I've got to you know, just remind myself, hey, man, like Add that to what your uh, what your professional title is. because That's what you do as well.
0: Yeah, I remember when we initially met, which was in, at South by Southwest back in March. You were telling me that you were putting together your website for selling your art.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. How's it, that been going? It's it's been going pretty good. I've been using Shopify. Some they've got some beautiful themes. It's uh, tedious when you you know you've got like 100 plus pieces. Then you've got to chop it up with you know the navigation and drop downs and all that stuff and, and getting it all working. While balancing a regular job and doing things like South by Southwest and, you know, just living your life and, and also trying to sleep every now and then, too. So, yeah, that's that's been coming along.
0: Now, speaking of South by Southwest, you have been in Austin for how long now?
1: Oh, man, mid-90s. So like quite, mid-90s. Quite a while.
0: How has Austin changed? From then to now. I used to
1: joke around and say, because as, when i would lived in Texas most of my life, so, and I had family here, so we would come here a lot, and Austin was a tiny, well, tiny, you know, small town, really. You know, they had some larger buildings downtown, and there was the capital, of course, and the government and all that good stuff, but when you went to the outskirts, it didn't feel at all like San Antonio or Houston. It, it felt like a town, like a, you know, small town. And then as things developed, I used to make the joke like, man, we're going to be Dallas in 15 years. But you could see it happening. I mean, you could see, you know, money coming in, companies moving here, Samsung moved here. You could see all these things happening, and it was quick. Like, I haven't seen, I haven't seen other cities grow necessarily, but this one, Austin, has grown unbelievably fast. So I don't even know that Austin itself has a handle on what the changes have, have been brought about because it's all happened so quickly
0: do you think the change has been for the better it's been good for
1: certain businesses i would say it hasn't been all that great for culture mm. there's a nice art crowd i guess that's getting better but that's only getting better because the money is here for people to actually buy art in terms of artists and, and musicians they like to say live, live music capital of the world for austin but then every time somebody puts up a hotel or a new set of condos downtown the people that live there or, or stay there complain about the noise of the music so it's it's, a, it's an <laughs> odd thing right so the wonderful thing that you're selling that sells your city people move in to enjoy it and then complain about the thing they moved here to enjoy so it's an odd thing man I don't, I don't know if it's good or bad to tell you the truth
0: let's go back a little bit because you mentioned earlier you've been a designer for 20 plus years how did you first get started with design so
1: when I was a kid, I didn't know that there was a, you know, back in the day, it was called commercial art, right? I didn't really realize there was a career path for that. I would I would just stare at, at magazines and album covers, and you know I knew I wanted to do something along those lines. But, you know, when you're 10 or 11, you don't necessarily know what that is. You just see these beautiful images, and you want to participate in it. You want to somehow own it and be part of it. And as I got older, started going to school, I started going to school as an artist and then sort of you know, just found my way toward graphic design, you know, in my early early twenties and, and realized, okay, I can create things and, and make a better living than I would as an artist. And just sort of found my way in that direction. It was sort of a a weird evolution from artist to graphic designer.
0: And so what was kind of your first big like design break or, or design job that you had?
1: So I remember taking this class with a, a professor, a, graphic designer, a great graphic designer from, from San Antonio. His name is uh, Bradford Lawton. And it was a first design class, and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with it, and I wasn't sure if it was exactly what I wanted to do. And I realized I like wordplay, and I like being clever and, and double entendres and things like that. So we had this project for, uh, and you know, it's going to sound lame when I tell you what it actually was. We did a project for a poster for, to promote the conservation of water. So I you know, I, okay. I took a photo of a glass of water and I just traced out some type that said endangered species. And then I took this this sort of scary, low-angled, darkened photo of this glass of water. And it was like, I guess I got some positive feedback because of it. And it's sometimes it's hard to get positive feedback from art. So here I am getting positive feedback for design and being creative. So I thought, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. So I can use creativity and, and be clever and... And then also spread a message, too. Like, I can do that, too. I can throw in photography and play with text. I'm like, okay, this is what I want to do now. It wasn't even in, not even going to school, but it was doing it. It was actually doing, working on a project and realizing that it was fun and enjoyable. And you could still be creative. It wasn't a colder version of art. It wasn't a like a sellout version of art. It was, it was the same sort of process. You're using your brain to creatively solve a problem. So... That was when it hit me. Like, okay, I, I think I'm going to dig this.
0: In your words, what's the difference between art and design? Let's
1: maybe talk about what the similarities are. Okay. Because in a lot of times, a lot of cases, if if you want to be a successful artist, chances are you're creating that art. It might not be a direct designer to client relationship, but you're still you're communicating something, and you're communicating something via some sort of visual media. And you're trying to communicate what's going on in your head. Now, one's emotional, one's based on commerce or promotion, but it's still a process of getting something out of your head to tell a story to someone else without you standing there and explaining it. Like they've got to come up to your art or your poster or your website or your logo and get what you're trying to give them, understand what you're trying to give them. So in a lot of ways, it's very, very similar I would say the differences are, I guess, it's much more involved in terms of the back and forth conversation, right? So, chances are the person looking at the art isn't going to call you up and say, "Hey, can I see this in red?" With design, there's much more of a back and forth communication and a a situation where you're not necessarily pouring your heart into it. You're certainly pouring your mind into it, but it maybe the emotions the difference, the emotional investment you're making in what you're creating maybe that's the difference
0: I always like to say that art asks and design answers okay yeah so like like art asks the question or it makes you it provokes you Mm -hmm. in that sort of way and then design is usually the solution to not necessarily the solution to art but a lot of what we talk about when we think about design and what designers do is about solving problems sure
1: That's how I look at it. Well, uh, how about this? Like, if art's asking, maybe is design telling?
0: It could, yeah.
1: You know, because design's explaining something to you, and maybe art's asking something of you. So maybe that's a a cool way to think of it, that art asks and design tells.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I like that. I like that. So what have been kind of some of the particular high points of your career?
1: High points. I don't always enter um, contests and design annuals because it can be cost prohibitive to do that. But when I have, I'd say I'm probably, I don't know, 50-50 for things I've entered. So I've have had some logos published, which is really cool. Um, I've had things, logos published in um, the Print Design Regional. I've had things published in the the Logo Lounge books, things like that. You know, it's kind of cool to know that you know, 20 years from now, some kid will be flipping through a, a magazine on a website and they might stumble across my logo. That's kind of cool. In terms of high points they're really personal to me in that there've been these victories where I'm kind of shy, but then I'll present something, a website or a logo or something to a board of directors. So you've got these very official looking people looking at you, staring at you while they're staring at a screen and you're walking them through something and you sell them on something or you, you convince them that your way is the right way. Um, those are the points that I consider like these high points, like, wow, like, I wasn't just designing a logo for Joe down the street. Like I created something for this business, this company, this organization that that uh, has, believes in, in my vision and, and, and agrees with what I'm what I want to do creatively. So those are the high points where you you get a client to trust you and, and believe in what you're you know believe in what you're doing. So it's it's kind of things like that.
0: And I would say that when you're doing it that way, it's also really about kind of illustrating and showing what your value is as a designer. Like yeah, you're yeah. not just showing like. I'm just a set of hands. No, you're showing that you can think through concepts and present solutions in a way that can influence a person's business or their marketing goals or what have you. Yeah, exactly.
1: Like you're able to translate what their goals are, not only into something visual, but then explain it and sort of, you know, coach them through what you're talking about. It's kind of like what that value of design question from the very beginning is like, you know, getting people to to sort of get on board with, hey, this is going to help you. You know, this is what it's all about in terms of looking like you know what you're talking about um, as a business or a professional. Um, that that's always the good stuff.
0: Is there any advice that you would give to any designers that are listing that are trying to, I guess, get to that point? I feel like that's something that is not really taught, which is sort of communicating the value of your work. One thing that I see when I'm browsing for guests or even just like looking at people that I could possibly invite on the show is I look at a lot of portfolios and. The portfolio is kind of the thing that designers present to clients or to businesses to sort of illustrate the kind of work that they do. But I see so many portfolios that are just like pictures. Right. That's it. Maybe a sentence or two of text, if that, it doesn't really kind of show the, the value of what they've done to the project. It's just like, look at these pretty pictures.
1: Right. Yeah, I think there are a couple of ways to approach that. I wonder sometimes about who's shopping for design. Is it, a, is it a marketing director? Is, is it someone who's going to understand the value of design, who's actually shopping for design? You know what I mean? Because sometimes people just think, oh, I need I need a logo, I need a website, I need my website redesigned. So they Googled. They Googled the, the options and find someone and, and send out some RFPs. And I don't know that if you look at Google Analytics, I've asked other, you know, some of my other peers, and there's not a lot of long, long visits to, to websites. So I, I wonder just how long, just how much people are reading some of that stuff. So, so you know, it, it speaks to how fast and how quickly and how clearly you need to talk about what the project is. I think oftentimes if you have a, a case study that's more than, a, you know, 200 words, I don't know if anyone's going to read that. So if you have this really smart, sharp, quick way to explain what it is you've done and why it was good and why it was valued. As far as advice for new designers, I would say a lot of before and after type of stuff would help, I think. Showing what something looked like before or maybe discussing what the problem was before and then how it affected sort of a before and after snapshot, whether it's visual or verbal or textual, and explaining what that thing was. Because you're right, when, when we were in school, when I was in school... No one, you know, they taught me how to design and how to think critically. No one ta- told me how to explain things. Like, there was never a dis- client discussion class, you know, you know what I mean? Like, you never really got taught that. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, that, I, to me, that is the one thing you sort of answered your own question in a lot of ways, is that the one thing designers should learn is how to talk about their work, how to talk about their design in a business setting. I think that marketing directors never care about color theory. They're going to want to know. All right. Am I going to lose my job because I hired you? <laughs> like, explain to me how this new design is going to help our business grow. So that you're right, that is the part that um, is under taught, under instructed, but certainly a huge part of what uh, designers need to get a hold of.
0: For the work that you've had published before, like you said in, in logo, what would you call it? Logo Lounge. Yeah, Logo Lounge, logo? Um,
1: print print regional design annual stuff like that.
0: What have been the benefits for you to having your work showcased like that?
1: I would say confidence, confidence and a renewed, you know, every time it happens, it's sort of like you get the gold star. It's nothing different than that, because I don't think that those avenues, those those are really just for peer-to-peer respect and review, right? I don't know that those publications are where people who purchase designer looking so uh, it is it's really a peer-to-peer situation it's an ego thing it's a situation where you 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 feel validated i guess like there's evidence that you know what you're talking about there's there's Mm. evidence that that i'm a that i'm a decent designer so that would be the benefit of those those sorts of things i don't know that it helps professionally i guess you know you can brag about it and talk about it on your website in your bio you can it's proof that, that you're a, a viable professional. So I guess that that's what it is, talking my way into it, I guess, right now. But I've always sort of thought of it as just uh, a sense of validation, a sense of proving it to yourself, kind of, that uh, that you have value as a designer.
0: Now, did you have to submit your work to those places, or did they just find what you were doing? I know you said earlier it was kind of cost prohibitive to do it that yeah, way now. a lot
1: of them. So, for instance, Logo Lounge, you've got to – it's a membership thing that you have to – paid for. And then whatever that particular book is going to be about, whether it's monograms or, you know, they'll have these different categories. And then they just, they will, you know, commission three or four fairly well-known designers to just go through the site to look for things that fit those categories. And you've got to tag your work, so that's how that works. But then for print or communication arts or some of these other publications, yeah, you've got to, it's like, it can be $50 an entry. If you've been doing a lot of work during the year and you have all these things you think are worthy, that might cost you a couple hundred bucks to enter them. So it's that sort of thing where... And you also... They always publish the numbers. So you'll see that, you know, they got 10,000 entries and, you know, they're publishing 250 things. So, yeah, it it can be a, a daunting thing in terms of numbers, but also if you did that every year during design award season, you could be looking at close to... Getting close to a thousand dollars if you entered everything, and then knowing for me at least suspecting that 's not necessarily a professional boost in terms of getting more work that you know it can be a you know you just sort of you wonder about the value of it
0: yeah i've been on the other side of that i 've been a judge for some of those oh, types cool, of events
1: so
0: cool. I think it's for the w three awards i believe okay. i've done that now for for two years in a row, so I can tell you like from the judging end how it looks in terms of, of what you're kind of going off of and what you're looking for. And I don't know if this is, I'm sure it's different for different kind of awards things, but normally they'll supply a list, like it's just a list of websites. And it's like a table. You'll see the name of the website, the company that built it, the URL so you can view it, and the date I think it was submitted. So then you can take a look and kind of poke around and see what it is. And they have it in different categories like transportation, commerce, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of them are terrible. (laughs) Right. Like, really bad. Like, sometimes they're trapped behind a password-protected thing, and they didn't supply a password, so they automatically are disqualified because we can't see the site. A lot of them are just really bad. And it makes me wonder, like, you know, yeah, if it's a cost prohibitive thing, if you're submitting it, do they know that it looks this bad, or is it I don't know if I'm just not artistic enough to get it, but, like, some of it is pretty bad work. I know that I've seen freelancers do better work than some of the stuff that I've seen that I've had to judge. So
1: Yeah, I, um, I wonder with, with websites. I wonder about the time frame. Because one of the things with web design is sometimes you don't always have control of what the customer is doing with the end, the, the end result.
0: Oh, not at all. So, so, not at so all. I've had
1: situations where in my portfolio I've got screenshots because I handed off a design to a client and within a month they had torn it apart. So there is that. Not hard to believe because I see it a lot, but it's just, it's one of the things I don't understand either. Like, I've never seen the results of all the entries, but you got to think if they're only publishing, for instance, it's a, you know, say it's Communication Arts, they'll do it. Or let's talk about prints, that publication. They'll go regionally. So they'll go across the country. They'll have a California section, a Southwest section, East section, blah, blah, blah. And each section probably only has a hundred or so, maybe not even entries, that they've decided to publish. And you know, chances are, they've gotten thousands upon thousands. So just the sheer amount of bad (laughs) stuff they've got to weed through, I'm just slogging through that. I'll bet it's just, it's probably pretty quick, though. I I bet you can go through and go, okay, that's crap, that's crap, that's crap. You know what I mean? I bet it's harder once you get down to trying to decide between two things you think are good and only one can fit in. Looking-
0: it is. And, and you know what it is? They have it, again, they break it up by category. So, like, sometimes it's I'm looking at transportation sites. Sometimes I'm looking at banking. Sometimes I'm looking at just it depends on what the categories are as to how they're, you know, kind of ranked and what you're looking through. But, yeah, mostly it's, you know, you give a number grade from 0 to 100. You can give notes about why you don't like it. Right. Or, or for some reason or why you had to disqualify, like say for example, the you, you couldn't log in and see the site because the password they suppo- they supply doesn't work. Or they never gave you one and it's still under construction. Or they didn't pay their hosting bill <laughs> and now you're seeing like this site has been seized by Bluehost or whatever. Right. So it's it's totally a lot of different reasons. Some sites load very quickly, some sites load super slow. A lot of sites are not responsive. Which I automatically take points off from. Right. I feel like if you're doing web stuff today, it's not even an option. Like, you have to do it. Yeah. Because that's just where the web is going now. Yeah, or... Um, or even... Okay. No, I was going to say, even Google is starting to, like, punish sites that yeah. are not mobile responsive. Yeah, when, when, when is that search kind search of It's like the 21st
1: or the 24th or something like that?
0: Yeah, it's something like that. It's coming up. It's pretty soon. It's somewhere near the end of April.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I mentioned this... I mentioned this the other day that i'm having to hustle up and and, so i've been using the behance network through adobe to host my not host but that's where i got the design template for my current website and i'm you know reading through the forums and, and and everyone for years for at least the last two years has been like guys you are adobe what's going on with the fact that none of these templates, none of these themes are responsive, like that's kind of a big deal, fellas. You know, I work for a company now, so my own personal portfolio is not the priority. I'm more than doing client work, but yeah, yeah, I, I'm definitely feeling that pressure of I need to get my my site moved over this it's more like when you get into the projects, those are those behave well on mobile, but the actual homepage transition isn't so hot on mobile. So, so yeah, yeah. that's definitely something that's a pressure thing. Like, you know, I'm feeling it. I've known, I've, I heard that announcement a few weeks ago, so it's like, all right, we've got to get, we get that moved over at some point.
0: Yep. So tell me about the work that you're doing now. You say you're working for a company in Austin? Yeah, yeah,
1: a company called Syndrome Design. I've been there for a year. I had been solo for the last 10 years, just as DM Design, just as me. And some friends of mine who have a, a company here in town, it's a pretty small company. Uh, we do design and web development. And then we have an SEO office in, in St. Louis where there's a, like another six or seven people there. But it's just uh, pretty consistent client work where it's probably 50% branding, 50% web design. And it's been great. It's much more steady work than I had as a freelancer in that it may be over the top, actually. It's it's, it's probably too steady where it's really, really, really busy and it can be intense sometimes. But it's, it's, it's a lot of fun, too, because... It's a little different. It's a different level of client that goes to a freelancer versus an agency. chances are the people coming to the agency have done it before and understand the process and certainly have an appreciation mm-hmm. for what the time and cost levels are going to be. When you're a freelancer, chances are there are tire kickers trying to get a website for $500 or a logo for 100 bucks. So I would say the, the level of clientele is certainly much more consistent and much more professional and much more appreciative for the situation they found themselves in. So it's been a lot of fun.
0: How do you find time for your art?
1: Wow. Well, I'm always doing something like, you know, there are all these apps and things that, that allow you to be creative. So I don't consider that part art, but I'm always creating something. So the other day I was in a sitting wait, waiting to do the driver's license thing renew my license and I'm sitting there for about 10 or 15 minutes and I'm just using a couple of apps creating stuff I would say every little waking moment I'm creating something and when I feel a, a gap coming up a gap in work that's where my mind goes that my brain doesn't go to vacation it doesn't think "Ooh, I'll take a trip but my, my brain says <laughs> "Ooh, we're gonna have time to create some art so if when the weekend comes around or when I don't, when I know I'm not going to have to do any late night work, that's the first place my brain goes to when I see a gap in time coming. So it's wherever I see a little break in the noise. It's basically, it's all the time. It's all I think about.
0: Now, having been in this industry for as long as you have, what do you think designers today need to know in order to compete in this market? We can talk about like specific skills. We can talk about personal skills they need to have? What do you think?
1: Well, okay, so there's, there's two. We touched on one before, which was the communication part of it. So yes. I'll, I'll briefly mm-hmm. briefly mention that again. It's understanding the value of design and how you fit into that and how to explain your design, how to explain your concepts, You know, how to explain why, in a business sense, why a mobile website is important, You know, a responsive website is important, or like explain, be able to explain those things. The other side of it is part and parcel as well to the new technology in that you probably ought to, at the very least, you may not necessarily yet need to be an over-the-top, completely holistic web developer, but you ought to be able to understand and know what HTML is going to do, what CSS does, and understand some platforms. You probably ought to know WordPress in and out. You probably ought to know a few other things and, and have dip your toe into other things like um, um Drupal, just to understand how those things work, because chances are, companies want websites so quickly, you're, you're probably going to be building it on a platform. Because, and then you're also going to need to train their staff on how to use their website. So I would say I'm probably one of the last generation of designers that doesn't necessarily do both. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think the current crop of designers, they're sort of that hybrid. It's been talked about the last five, ten years of a person who can design something beautifully, aesthetically beautiful, but then also code it and build it. So I would say if if you're just a visual designer, go learn some code. If, if you consider yourself more of a developer, study up on the aesthetics of it as well, because they both need to work together, and that seems to be where things are going in terms of you know web design. You know when I look at, every now and then, you know you'll look at a job listings, and there still seems to be this divide between. Web developer, front end developer, visual designer—you still see those, you know, divisions in what people are looking for in terms of professional spots they're trying to fill. But I would bet in two to five years that that sort of sense of that those are divisions of labor that that notion will probably start to close up a little bit.
0: I can see that happening, especially because even now there are new terms that come out like interaction designer, right. product designer product manager or things like that and you have to think about well, what does that actually mean like what does that mean if i'm a product manager or a product designer am i designing like a physical product or a software product you know so i think the terminology can also kind of be a little bit confusing for people that are just starting out and don't know really where to go right you know it can sound a little more intimidating than say oh web designer graphic designer it sounds like pretty top of mind, easy.
1: Yeah, and oftentimes I think that that's the problem of the person looking for the job, too, the person that's posting the job, the job opening. I've seen things where the job requirements they were asking for, I'm like, who who do you think is actually going to qualify for this? Um, <laughs> you want someone who has, it said they were looking for someone who had 10 or 15 years plus in branding and print design, but then they wanted all this technical experience as well thinking, okay, maybe somewhere there's a 75-year-old person who came up designing magazines and logos, but then also hand-code a website. So, so maybe that person is somewhere. But coming out of school and right out of school in entry-level position, I don't know if that person exists yet. They will in a few years, but I don't know that they exist yet.
0: Mm-hmm. I remember when I was talking with Leon Lawrence III, this was a few months ago, and he was saying that he feels like there's a lack of passion for like the current generation of designers there's like that lack of spark to really like make something that is either controversial or make something that turns heads right now it feels like designers don't have that passion they're just kind of designing to get a job
1: yeah i feel like that too i feel like there's a couple of different things happening um now that it's so easy for because so when, when i was in school the only way to see what other designers were doing would be to go to the library and get magazines I couldn't afford. So you would have a, you know, when you're a student, you can't afford to spend 20 bucks per issue on something like graphics or uh, communication art. So you'd go to the library and look at those and you had to seek it out when I was coming up. Now it's everywhere. You can just hop on the internet.
0: Got the internet.
1: Got the internet. There it is. And I think that's why you're seeing these things like you've probably seen them, the, the hipster like plays on hipster logos and, and and modern-day brands as hipster brands, and they're all almost identical. I think the notion that there's no passion is that people are simply just – everyone's just eating each other and copying each other. One of the things I don't like to see is when I go to a website and I look at someone's logo, if if you're an illustrator, I think that's okay to have a particular style. But if you're a logo designer, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you're designing for the client. So – I shouldn't be able to put 20 of your logos together and know that you did them all. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because that means your style is taking over what you should be doing for your clients. Like your, I shouldn't recognize your footprint on something you did for a completely different company. Your logo for a football team shouldn't be in the same style as your logo for a law firm. Like those two things shouldn't look alike. I don't think. I mean, it should, oh,
0: totally it, different. That's, a, yeah. that's
1: an opinion, I know, because there are so many people, successful people out there that are just cranking out stuff in their style. Yeah. So to me, the, the passion is like, you need to like really earnestly love what you're doing and want that project to be successful and want people to and want to create something new and different. And you, you should want to have someone stumble across your work and, and look through your I keep saying logos because it's my favorite thing to do. So, you know, flip through your logo portfolio and have those oh moments, those aha moments where you look and you go, oh, that's clever. That's great. That that sort of moment that I don't know that people seek that out or as designers. I don't, I don't think that, that that's um, something people are doing now. I think a lot of times people just want to look like other successful people so they can, you know, move on, you know, like you'll just. So, so let me date myself a little bit whenever design annuals would come out, all those top, so that that they're in tiers. So you have this top level stuff like Communication Arts Magazine. That's sort of like winning a Grammy or or should I say winning an Oscar. And then there's Print Regional and other things that are sort of like winning smaller, lower level awards. And whenever styles and and these big design stars, I'm doing air quotes, I know you can't see that, but I'm doing air quotes, design stars, have (laughs) these styles that come out in these design annuals. The very next year, you're going to see a bunch of knockoffs of that, that style. that came out the year before. That's what I used to notice when I was younger. Now that kind of stuff is instantaneous. When somebody sees a new style out there, whoever did the first Crossing Arrow logo might be a genius, but I'd like to meet him and choke him because now that's all you see. <laughs> all you see yeah. is the two implements crossing each other. And I've even been asked to do it like, can we get that? Like some people think that's an actual, an actual style. Some people think that's an actual. Can, can I get the two things just crossing together like that? You know, can I can, <laughs> I can I maybe get arrows? I'm sure, man. Go to Shutterstock and spend twenty bucks and leave me alone. So yeah, I think you're right. I think whoever said that about passion being gone, it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of creative energy out there. It Seems like there's a lot of mimicking of styles out there.
0: How would you describe your design style?
1: Well, ju- just exactly what I said, like, I hope I don't have a style. I hope that you can look go... Well,
0: well, let me walk that back then a little bit Then, How would you describe your art style? Because I know you said before, you're like, the design is not really for the ego, it's for the client. Yeah, yeah. But like, yeah.
1: So the first thing I want to do is I want the project to be, you know, you have a design brief and you, and you want to communicate those goals, but then I also... I want. If I do have a style, I would say that the typography is going to be tight and sharp. I've done things that are, you know, you know, if you, you put two projects together, one is super simple and clean, and I don't know that that's a style. I think that that was appropriate for that project, right? And then I've had projects that are really noisy and messy because it was appropriate for what they were what they were doing. Maybe I'm just sort of. You know, sort of the old school guy who's stubborn about stuff like that. But uh, I really, if if I have a style, like maybe an outside observer could look at my portfolio and go, "Dude, you totally have a style. You should you should really be quiet about all that." You know, because maybe I do. But um, I would say that the first thing I do is as I read the brief or help the client create a brief, so we can talk about what it is they want and what it is they need, and then you know you do your research, you look at their competition, and you want to look as sharp and as smart as, or you want your client to look as sharp and as smart as the competition, but then you also want them to, to take that visual left turn so they stand out a little bit. So yeah, I mean, that's a little insight into my process. I guess that's my style. I guess you could say that. Yeah, I don't know. That's, that's a tough one. And, I, and I'll <laughs> tell you this. It's something I think about at least once or twice a week. So that's, really? so that's why you're getting that that odd answer because I I think, man, I could knock this out. I I know what to do here, but I really need to get out of my head and and get into the client's head to do what they need me to do. So, yeah, it's something that I think about a lot.
0: Walk me through like a typical day for you. Typical
1: day is when I was working for myself, it would just be I would get up and design whatever I wanted to, you know, I would have a client list and, but whatever was moving me that day, that's what I would work on. Now it's a little more structured where we have a schedule and I'll come in and I'll see, okay, I've got all these, these projects to do this week. What am I scheduled for today? Then I also have a, you know, I don't really want to do a website today. I'm going to do the logo project. It's on my list. So then, you know, I sit down, look at my schedule and then just start, you know, I'll get my coffee certainly and just start a, Sometimes you have a clear idea and you're, you're at, at the computer immediately. Sometimes you don't have a clear idea yet and you're sort of sketching things out in a in a sketchpad first. But for the most part, now that I do have a day job, it's probably 80, 80% design. Whereas when I was on my own, it was 20% design and 80% you know all the other crap you have to do when you're trying to run a business. So my day-to-day kind of stuff now is I'm actually doing the creative stuff. So that's, it's been kind of cool.
0: Who are some people that inspire you? Did you have any kind of like mentors or anything? Yeah, I had growing up. Yeah, in terms
1: of design, my first mentor I mentioned him earlier, Bradford Lawton, a designer from San Antonio.
0: Okay.
1: He's an outstanding designer and in particular with with logos and, and the way I would describe it so you know, I sort of gave a little insight into what the contest landscape is like. There was one year where Communication Arts magazine published published an annual, and they had room for 15 logos, and he had, like, six or seven of them in there. So for one person, for one design shop to have 40, almost 50% of the logos chosen that year is astonishing. It's yeah. Kind of like, uh, you know, if somebody wins seven Grammys in one year or something like that, that, that would be the way I would equate That's it. It's
0: like a Beyoncé. Yeah, exactly. He
1: went Beyoncé or Lauren Hill or something crazy. <laughs> so. I shouldn't say that, Lone Hill's not crazy. Maybe she's crazy, I don't know. So that's certainly a real-world mentor, but there's you know, a handful of designers out there that I really, really admire, and I'm always sort of circling back to look at the work they're creating. In terms of my real life, just day-to-day life, I don't know that I have necessarily a creative mentor because I'm like the... There are a few other designers and architects in my circle, an artist or a photographer here or there, but it, I've mostly been... At least I feel like I've been on an island In a lot of ways, I've had to sort of seek out mentors from a distance and just sort of, you know, kind of stalk them and follow and see what they're doing and and sort of kind of guide myself through what, how I see, how I perceive them, they're guiding themselves through their careers or whatever. But I've never really had a guide, so to speak, a true mentor. I've never really had one of those.
0: So there's just like no local designers or anything that you would... Would look up to is that that's kind of what you're saying? Um, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: There's, certain, there's definitely some design shops here in town that I definitely look up to. And there are, you know, there's like Decoder Ring Design. Um, they do some great stuff. Helm Design H E L M. They do some great stuff. So, so yeah, there, there's definitely people that I admire and I admire their work and that I get inspired and even jealous. Like, you know, you look at a logo and you go, Man, I wish I had done that. I wish I had. I wish I had created that. Or I wish I had the client to create that. So, yeah, yeah, there's definitely people that I admire. Absolutely.
0: Where do you see yourself in the next, like, say, five years or so? What's in the future for you? What's
1: in the future would be more the same. With the company I'm with, Syndrome, we've been getting more and more branding work. I love that because it's so holistic. It's so from the bottom to the top. And I like taking a look and applying that look and applying certain rules and levels to a particular brand. Holistically, So, you know, having a say in what the logo looks like all the way down to some tiny, half-thought-of, by the company originally, half-thought-of email template. You know, I love it when stuff starts to come together. That's my favorite thing. So I would say more of that. And in terms of art, just, uh, you know, I've got some art up in a coffee shop right now, so just more of that, just more getting my stuff out there. I, have, I feel like I have so many things to do creatively, and I just want it all out there so in five years I'll be even more of an online presence in terms of uh, getting my creative you know creativity out there and uh, the older I get the more confidence I have in just throwing it out there and you don't show your work to anybody as beautiful as it might be you know it doesn't really matter if you're not putting it out there in the world so so in five years I'll be even more active than I am is my goal
0: well, just to kind of wrap things up, where can our audience find out more about you online?
1: Oh, you can find my design work at dmdesigninc.com, and that's where you'll find. There'll be some art, but it's mostly design projects, logo, print, web stuff. That's where that'll be. And then I'll go ahead and give put out the URL. It'll, it'll make me finish everything. Just my name, <laughs> d- uh, DaveMcClinton.com is where my art is. It's about, the uh, I would say, the website's about half full. It's completely built. I just don't have all my art up yet. I just alluded to that tedious process earlier. But, yeah, so DaveMcClinton.com, and you can just Google me. I've got a portfolio of just about every free portfolio provider out there, whether it's Behance or – I've never known how to pronounce it. What is it? Coraflow. Course. Yeah. I don't know. I think
0: that's how you say it. Yeah, I think I don't know. know what you're talking about though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So, so, just about every. So, if you Googled my name, you're gonna find some of my work, whether it's design or art. Now, beware, there is a criminal out there named Dave McClinton. So
0: that's not you. If you
1: see a mugshot, that's not me. <laughs> so I wanna, I wanna get that, <laughs> I want get that out there as well. But yeah, yeah. So totally know that. Gamedesigning so dot com and davidmcclinton All
0: right. Sounds good. Dave McClendon, thank you so much for coming on the show, for talking about the the work that you've done as well as kind of walking us a little bit through your process and even just sort of talking existentially about art and design and what it means. So thank you again so much for coming on the show. I
1: appreciate you uh, wanting to take the time to sit down with me, man. I've been following your stuff for a while, so I consider it an honor. Thank you.
0: And that's it for this week. Big thanks to Dave McClinton, and thanks to you for listening. You can find out more about Dave and his work through the links in the show notes at revisionpath.com. Thanks, as always, to our sponsors, MailChimp, Hover, and Creative Market. When it comes to email marketing, MailChimp makes it extremely simple. They've got great reporting and autoresponder features. They just did some updates that I talked about at the top of the show. And with all that, you can send 12,000 emails to 2,000 subscribers for free. No contracts and no credit card required. Check them out today at MailChimp.com. Hover is the best way to buy and manage domain names and they give you exactly what you need to get the job done. Get yourself a new domain or transfer your current domains to Hover and save 10% off your first purchase by using the promo code GRADUATION at checkout. And lastly, there's Creative Market, a marketplace that sells beautiful ready-to-use design content from thousands of independent creators from around the globe. Head over to creativemarket.com today. Get those six free goods that I talked about at the top of the show. They're available for free every Monday. This episode was edited by RJ Basilio and produced by me, Maurice Cherry. Our intro is by music man, Dre, with intro audio by Yellow Speaker. The outro audio, This Is My Tape For You, is courtesy of Jimmy Square make sure you're subscribed to us on itunes leave a rating and a review it really helps us get new listeners helps more people find out about the show as we move up those itunes rankings and that has to come from your reviews i'll even read your review right here on the show revision path is a 318 media project if you like the work we're doing with the podcast and the website then visit revisionpath.com forward slash donate and let us know Leave a tip in our tip jar, sponsor an upcoming episode, or join at the $5 fist bump level to show your ongoing support. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.